evidence and answers. When is someone demon-possessed, and when is it a psychiatric disorder? How can we distinguish between the two? And how do we approach a situation where we believe demonic possession is involved? You're listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Dr. Pat Zucrin. Pat is a scholar, author, and speaker on apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat and his guest, psychologist Dr. Brian Misaka, will be discussing how to distinguish between demonic possession and psychological disorders. You can also listen to this interview and read related articles on Pat's website, evidenceandanswers.org. Now, let's join them as they discuss this intriguing issue. Today we're talking about a very interesting but very difficult topic, demonic possession or psychological disorder. Very tough topic here. How do you tell the difference between the two and how do you approach these kinds of situations? Here with me today is one of our favorite guests, Dr. Brian Misaka. Brian is a licensed Christian psychologist. He has a PhD from Biola University, Rosemead School of Theology, but he also has uh, devoted several years of study at Moody Bible College. And so he's well-versed in the Bible, but also in the realm of psychology and dealing with the mind. So we brought him in here today to help us address this issue. So Brian, thanks for being with us again. Thank you, Pat. Good to be here. Well, Brian, we're talking about demonic possession or psychological disorder. And here's some of the signs of demonic possession as we see in the New Testament. Numerous voices in a person or numerous personalities, the transformation of one's personality into another or several other kinds of personalities, Mm -hmm. unusual strength, hostile response to the name of Jesus or God or men and women of God, shaking, convulsions, and very self-destructive kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. Those are what we see in demonic possessed people in the New Testament. However, we also know in many cases there are psychological explanations for these kinds of behavior, isn't there? Yeah, you could explain it from a psychological perspective also, absolutely. If you have somebody who's actively psychotic, who's not in touch with reality, they can have what we call audio hallucinations. Hallucinations are false perceptions of reality, like hearing voices. And so they could be hearing voices in their head or audibly, and they could be reacting to those voices. I remember walking the streets of San Diego, the Gaslight District, with some friends, and this homeless person just started yelling at us and saying, get off my street, and, you know, all these curse words coming out of his mouth, and could have confused him with being possessed. Or he could be paranoid, schizophrenic, and addicted to something also, and so it would be even more complex picture with a psychological disorder and a substance abuse issue. Yeah, you know, Brian, I saw a woman with 29 different personalities, Mm -hmm. 29 different voices, and 29 different handwriting uh, Mm -hmm. characteristics. And what we may think is demon possession is really, I think it's called multi-personality disorder. Yeah, multiple personality disorder, yeah. And with some medication, you know, she was fine. Mm -hmm. Or I've seen kids with just unusual strength. Uh, I don't know what that disorder is called, but they have these spasms or uh, outbreaks, whatever it's called. And I remember 
that I saw this nine-year-old boy throw a six-foot-two former university football player right across the room as he was having one of these fits. And so it took three of us to hold him down until he finally broke out of it. And so some of these characteristics can be explained psychologically. So it's very hard to tell the difference sometimes, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, And sometimes I really believe that both can be intimately involved with each other. Psychology is, is just an explanation of things and an explanation of the symptoms and how we believe things came to be. But the Bible is the ultimate explanation of the spiritual reality. And so it's kind of like uh, describing two different things. You know, I mean, the same thing from two different perspectives, I should say. Well, Brian, you know, tell us if you can a case where you thought demonic possession had occurred, but instead it was some kind of psychological disorder. I had this guy in my office many years ago, and he started to manifest what appeared to be a demon, and his voice changed a little bit, and then he started going on the floor and started speaking the name of Jesus, and he started you know, battling me with that. And we went back and forth and I asked the name of the demon and, and we went through this whole process. And in the end, thank God, you know, he calmed down and he kind of went back and he kind of shook his head and like, wow, you know, just like he snapped back into another reality. In retrospect, I was, I was talking to my wife about this the other night and I said, you know, I think he was just acting. I think this guy was just acting. I, I really don't think it was a, a real demon, but he was kind of acting the part. You know, like multiple personality disorder, it was popular uh, maybe two, three decades ago. You know, Sybil and a famous book and movie from that, but you don't see it too often anymore. And so sometimes people will see things on TV or in movies and then kind of copy it and take it on into their own personality and kind of allow it to possess them, so to speak, and act it out. I really believe that there could have been uh, just a case of acting. Well, Brian, you know, in your experience, how does demonic possession occur? Is a person dabbling in the occult or in shamanism and voodoo and witchcraft and these animistic religions? Or is it a curse that can be passed down from one generation to another? How does demon possession occur? I like to think of it in terms of light and lack of light. Darkness is a lack of light, the absence of light. And if people go down darker and darker paths, like Ted Bundy was a, a famous case where he was heavily into pornography and at some point the pornography wasn't enough and the line between pornography and the real thing got really blurry for him and then he crossed over into that line and really hurt a lot of women, killed a lot of women. And he talks about that darkness coming and I would imagine that Ted Bundy would be a, a case where there was some kind of demon possession. In psychology, they talk about command hallucinations, where the voices are telling them to do something. And usually when I hear about command hallucinations, I suspect some kind of demonic possession. I had this person who believed that, I don't know if he said God or someone was telling him to go burn down this building. 
And I said, no, that's not God. You know, God is not telling you to burn down this building. But he, you know, thank God that he didn't do that. But well, Ted Bundy, that one would be... You know, I would think that there was some kind of demon possession with the Ted Bundy. The good news with Ted Bundy is that I believe he actually came to Christ at the 11th hour. And that was really neat to see. So I actually believe that we will see Ted Bundy one day. You know, well, here's the million-dollar question then, Brian. You know, how can you be sure you have a case of genuine demonic possession and not some kind of psychiatric disorder here? Okay. Dr. Paul Meyer of the Minerth and Meyer Clinics came to speak. I used to work with them and for them. And what he told me was he said, demons, uh, the way you can differentiate between demons and psychosis is you give them an antipsychotic. And if the antipsychotic medication makes the voices go away, then you know that there was some kind of problem with that person's neurochemistry. And in that case, probably dopamine. Like excess dopamine can cause psychotic symptoms. I had this person in the hospital who had too much cinnamon this particular medication and and he would get paranoid and he would get psychotic because of this excess of dopamine in his system with things like hallucinogens like LSD or certain kinds of mushrooms you can have these visual and audio hallucinations and I knew some guys in college who would explain these these trips that they had and how crazy and amazing or and scary at times. So you can produce psychotic symptoms by taking some kind of a substance. Now, with demonic possession, they will not respond to antipsychotics. And so that is one way to see if there's a case of demonic possession. And with somebody psychotic, the name of Jesus is still going to be powerful, but that's not going to necessarily make the hallucinations go away. With demons and uh, proper use of our authority in Christ, I believe that God will give us authority with faith and sometimes prayer and fasting, as he tells us in Scripture. And then we know that there's a genuine case of demon possession. With demon possession, I, I think there's a lot of evil, vile, hateful things coming out of their mouth. And I do believe there is a shift in the countenance, appearance of the person, the voice even. And if a person, again, opens themselves to this realm through the occult or through dark practices, deep, dark, sinful practices, then I think the demons would be more than happy to go inside a non-believer. So basically you're saying, Brian, that if the person responds to medication, then probably it was a psychiatric or psychological disorder. Yes. If they do not, that's probably a good sign it's demonic possession. Yeah, very well could be. Yeah, sometimes a psychotic disorder will not respond to antipsychotics. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that the person is demon-possessed. But I think the response to Jesus' name would give a, a pretty clear indication of demon 
position or not. Yeah, you know, Brian, one of the reasons we're having this show is that it's really important to be able to try and distinguish between the two because sometimes it's not so easy. Sure. And you can do greater harm if the person has some psychiatric disorder. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do greater harm by exercising a demon out of him when he has a psychological kind of disorder. Yes, yes. I mean, there may be uh, emotional trauma as we're praying for a demon to come out of this person when really it may be a psychiatric disorder. And, mm-hmm. and when we see that, disorder coming again and again and again well the person himself is not cured but also those of us who maybe have prayed that the demon would be delivered from him you know we're kind of questioning hey wait a minute it's got to work here you know what, mm-hmm. what's wrong with our prayer or something so it's important we be able to distinguish between the two and really then we can properly you know diagnose and treat the symptoms we see absolutely there's this one woman in ICU unit in the psychology hospital many years ago and she's cut herself and in scripture it talks about that guy who used to cut himself who was demon possessed and so she was a christian and she talked to me and says well you know i mean look at you know they think i'm demon possessed because i'm cutting myself but she had borderline personality disorder which is a disorder of it's a personality disorder It's a disorder of a very diffuse, insecure kind of identity, and they'll idealize people radically, and they'll devalue, they'll spit them out. And so that kind of personality type, they can be suicidal sometimes when they're disillusioned with somebody, and they can cut themselves to try and make sure that, to control their pain sometimes. And so in that kind of situation, that person is not demon-possessed, but they may be demonized, as uh, C. Fred Dickerson at Moody Bible used to say, that Christians can be demonized, influenced negatively by demons, but not demon-possessed. He didn't believe that Christians who have the Holy Spirit in them can share that space with the demon. And so his view was we can be demonized as Christians, and those can be removed with prayer and God's help, but not demon-possessed. You know, I was speaking with several theologians and psychologists and psychiatrists on a panel on this whole issue here. And several of the members said a lot of these symptoms can be explained as a psychological disorder, but really one you know, one sign that's really clear that this would be a case of demonic possession, they said, and this is really interesting, is if the person knows information, he or she should not know. Mm. Uh, That was a clear sign of demonic possession. What do you think of that? That sounds good to me. You know, if that demon information about that person that that person would not know, yeah, that would give me evidence towards that. Yeah, because, you know, the psychologists and psychiatrists said, yeah, they have no explanation of any kind of disorder that would make a person know information (laughs) they should not know. And so that was a clear sign. Well, a pastor or a leader, they come across someone who seems to have the symptoms of what appear to be demonic possession. Mm -hmm. Well, how should he or she approach that situation? I mean, should you seek to exercise a demon right away or... What what should be the approach here? If at all possible, I would not do it alone. If at all possible, if it's a therapist and it's a confidential situation, well, that's a different story. But if it's a pastor and there's an associate pastor or someone on staff there that can come in and assist 
in the prayer process, I think that would be critical not to do it alone, you know, if, if at all possible. That's the initial thing that comes to mind. What was the question now again? So pastors or leaders who come across someone who have the symptoms of what appear to be demonic possession, how should he or she approach oh, yeah. the situation here? Again, it's trying to discern whether or not differentiate whether or not the person truly is possessed by a demon or not. You know, just copy what Jesus did, I would say, is ask them, what is your name? You know, what is your name? And if they say Legion, then you're in trouble. Because <laughs> you know, there's a whole bunch of them. But you can ask the name of the demon and, of course, invoke the name of Jesus. You know, in Jesus. And the authority in Jesus, I think, is the, the critical feature. Because we're not using our own authority, but... The Bible says we have weapons that are disposable that can demolish strongholds. And I believe that's the authority we have in Christ, not of our own power, but of His power to call and say, you have no authority over this person, but God has authority over this person. And I ask you to leave and take your friends with you. And in Jesus' name, I ask you to do that by His power, not my own, but by Jesus. And according to the scripture, I mean, there's people that have cast out demons in, in Jesus' name that really won't even get to heaven. You know, Jesus said, I never knew you. They said, didn't we cast out demons in your name? So the name of Jesus has great power. Even if it's in the wrong hands, it has great power and authority over the demons. Now, you appear to have delivered this person from demonic possession would you send them to a psychologist or a psychiatrist anyway just to make sure it wasn't some kind of psychological disorder or you think it's safe just to leave them as is you know I, I don't think it'd be a bad idea to go and allow that person to see a psychologist at that point but pastoral counseling would be wonderful too and a whole thorough history of what that person has been through the drug culture you know many times in the drug culture it, it leads to all kinds of other sins you know some females taking ice have prostituted themselves and opened themselves to really dark places and so it's trying to work through all of that trauma and the, all of that hurt in addition to being cleansed from the demon. You know, I'll explain one situation. You know, we were at a youth camp. Okay. And there was a guy wandering outside, and then he came in, and then he started cursing and swearing and said his name, you know, was Darius or some kind of... And he was a demon, and he had possessed this person. And so several people were able to, you know, subdue him. Mm -hmm. And as they prayed over him, they asked, whose body are you in? And the other personality came out, mm -hmm. and they asked, do you want to be delivered? Mm. And he said, no. Mm. You know, he said, no. And so they didn't know what to do in that situation. Here's a person that just for some reason sure. wasn't willing to seek any kind of help or something and what do you do in those kinds of situations well honestly i'd probably just call the cops and <laughs> have them come and take them away because he could be a danger to that youth camp and the people there and we don't know if he's psychotic we don't know if he's dangerous if he's possessed or psychotic he could be dangerous especially if he's hostile and cross in a hostile fashion cursing people and, and different things and so that would be a case where they have these things called involuntary holds 
where they can put a person in a hospital over here like Queens Hospital Kakela against their will if the judge and psychiatrists and then the judge finalizes it deems that the person is a danger to themselves or a danger to others those are the two main ones there's also they can't take care of themselves but the two main ones are harm to others and harm to self so in that kind of situation i would definitely evoke the authorities that we have at our disposal but i thought it was valiant and i'm glad you guys tried to deliver that person god gives us free will and even to mm-hmm. keep demons if we want i guess so that's what i would say you know, Brian, there's a lot of people out there with psychological disorders out there. Do you think there's a lot more cases of demonic possession? Do you think most of them are by far psychological kind of disorders? I would think that in almost any psychological disorder, there would be some kind of demonic involvement. Like say, like even with depression. Depression to me is a reaction to some kind of loss or losses in life and we get stuck there and we're stuck in that so we're depressed. And so Satan would want us to be stuck in there. And we have to differentiate between Christians and non-Christians. With Christians being stuck in depression, then as C. Fred Dickerson said that they could be demonized, influenced by demons. And, you know, even Christians will get suicidal at times. I remember a dark time in my life where I felt like taking my own life in a depression, even as a Christian psychologist. And I'm sure that demons and Satan were more than happy to try and tempt me and encourage me to do something like that, and I never did. But I could see demonic involvement in almost any psychological disorder because Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy and cause division. A house divided cannot stand. So all the marriages I see, there's a spiritual component. And when people are defending themselves and in pride and and just blasting away at each other or isolating themselves from each other, Satan wants that to happen. And Satan will tempt them to do that. Satan is, is the accuser. And so he'll want them to judge each other and accuse each other of things so that there's a continued rift or division between them. So I think the psychological and the spiritual realms are intimately involved with each other. And I I think it's hard to to separate the two. Full-scale demonic involvement in terms of possession, I think you'll see in the more extreme cases. And so definitely I believe they're out there. There was this one mass murderer, and he had killed a bunch of women already, and he abducted this woman. (laughs) This woman was a strong Christian. And it's like good versus evil. And she kept talking to this guy. And, you know, she talked to him. And he says, yeah, there's these voices, you know. And they're, they're telling me to, to hurt people. They tell me to do bad things. And in that case, I think there's definitely a psychological disorder and demon possession. And through her grace and through her faith in God and through her authority, she kept talking to him. And he eventually let her go. And she asked him to stay 
asked him to stay at a certain wow. place and she reported it to the authorities and they said there's no way he's going to be there of course he's going to run away how silly and he was there and so they picked him up and her husband was mad because he didn't know where she was and then they told the wow. story but it was an amazing story of this woman's faith and a tremendous situation there's other situations where this woman a friend's mom she was going to be raped she was abducted and she kept saying in jesus name in jesus name and and, and praying for this person and in jesus name and and this guy couldn't take it he couldn't take it so he eventually just let her go and you know just praise god for that so there is a tremendous overlap between demons and psychological disorders because satan is against us and he wants to hurt us but there's tremendous power in jesus name and his authority and those are quite reassuring words here well brian you know you give us a lot of valuable insight for people that want to do further research is there any kinds of books or websites or articles that they can go to to further research this area i think c fred dickerson's book it's an older book from moody press about demonization and christian would be a great resource i think Anderson. We're from Talbot Theological Seminary. Had some really good books on facing darkness, overcoming darkness. That novel by Frank Peretti. Frank Peretti. This present darkness, piercing the darkness. That's a really good illustration of what it really might be like in the spiritual realm. Yeah, you know, here in the West, we kind of ignore yeah. the spiritual world and the spiritual warfare that goes on out there. We don't want to overemphasize it, but then again, we don't want to ignore it. It is going on out there, and it manifests itself in these psychological disorders and demonic possession. Yes, yes. Well, Brian, thanks for being here with us. We look forward to seeing you here again, here on Evidence and Answers. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it. If you missed any part of this message, log on at evidenceandanswers.org and you can listen to this message and hundreds of other messages by Pat and his guests. If you've been blessed by Pat, please support him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. Thank you for listening today and we hope that you'll join us again here on Evidence and Answers. Evidence and Answers.